Hello, everybody, and welcome back to At the Apex. My name is Christian, and I figured since it is finally race week after a month-long wait for round four, we can do a little review of what has happened in the first three races. So we've got a lot to unpack here. Uh, we're just going to go over the first three races, kind of what's going on with this new format they've got going on, and uh, see where everybody is at for the season. So we get to round one, Bahrain. And after preseason testing, we're thinking that Red Bull is not going to be beaten and they've gotten much faster than last year, which very much did happen. We also heard the news that Lance got into his bicycle accident and either broke both of his wrists or what was going on. We didn't know what was happening at the time. We just know that he was not there for testing and he may or may not have gotten into round one, which was a shame because after everything, Aston Martin looked like they were a very, very quick car. So... We get to the race, and Lance is there, and he looks like he is in massive amounts of pain trying to get out of the car, and everybody is talking about how is he, should he be able uh, to race, is he not in physical condition to be able to do so, uh, should they have put in one of their reserve drivers, um, there was a lot going on with that. But he ended up doing a pretty decent job. Aston Martin, as we know, was a very quick car. Fernando took third, and I believe Stroll took fifth or sixth, which was pretty incredible. And then we get back to Ferrari, where they were saying how they fixed all their reliability issues and they were all good to go for the season. They're, they got a good baseline, and then Charles stops his car on the side of the road. So that was a very great start for them. And even before that, they started changing out, I think it was the battery unit in Charles's car before we even saw race one. So just Ferrari things. It was pretty awesome. Um, and then also in that race, Esteban Ocon, they, uh, he wanted to equal the record for the most penalties in a race, and he got there with three of them. Uh, one was the starting position infringement. Then he didn't serve the time penalty correctly. Then he got caught speeding in the pit lane. It was just a disaster for them as well. And speaking of disaster, uh, we get to McLaren, who Piastri, he uh, had something going on electronically, pulls into the pit, gets a new steering wheel, and I see one of the funniest things I've seen in Formula 1 in a long time. We have the driver shot, and then they put the new steering wheel on, and it's like a control-alt-delete reboot, this whole thing comes up, and it's like the system restart. It was hilarious. I don't think Piastri was very happy at the time, but for us, I think it was kind of humorous. And then on the other McLaren, we see Norris pit five times, which is uh, incredible. They had to keep topping up his pneumatic system, and uh, I believe what was going on with that was these cars have pneumatically controlled valves so instead of valve springs they have pneumatic pressure to hold the valves 
closed, and they had to keep type, uh, topping that off and topping that off. And uh, long story short, uh, we saw Alpine and McLaren do very horribly in the first round. Uh, Ferrari, while well, they were tired, and Sainz did pretty well. Uh, Mercedes was doing okay. Uh, we didn't expect them to do a whole lot better this year, I think. Uh, other than that, we kind of didn't see a very good shuffle of the pack. Um, we couldn't gauge very well because nobody was really on their game except for Red Bull and Aston Martin, and those are the teams that finished pretty much at the top. So we didn't really get a good start to the season to see where the pecking order was or where everything was going so far. So round one didn't really give us spectacular amounts of information about the teams. Um, it gave us info about where Red Bull and Aston Martin were, kind of where Mercedes was, but I think that we were all just really relieved that Formula One was back on at the moment. So then we get to round two, Saudi, which is a high-speed, high-intensity, high-risk track, and we're all super excited. Qualifying, Max has a drive shaft failure, so he starts 15th, and we're like, yes, all right, let's see what's going to happen now. Alonso is going to be in the front. You know, and it's going to be a whole lot of excitement with Alonso and Perez battling it out for first, and we ended up getting it. Uh, Alonso took the lead on the first turn. Uh, he also gets a starting place infringement, a uh, five-second penalty for that as well. Uh, so the FIA are on a roll with that, we have found. Um, they are really, really uh, hammering down on that. And then at the beginning of that race as well, uh, more McLaren pain. Uh, Piastri made some contact with somebody. I believe it was Magnussen or Hulkenberg. And uh, his end plate flies off and hits Norris. So not only does Piastri have to change out his front wing, Norris has to come in because he had damage on his car and he had to make an early pit stop as well. So we already are with the McLarens in the back. Uh, Stroll retires a few laps in. Um, everything was going fine. Uh, he pulls off to the side of the track, and I believe they had a transponder malfunction on his car. So what had happened was when he pulled off, he actually pulled off very close to the little pullout area, and the transponder showed that he was still on the track. So the FIA immediately threw the safety car. Uh, it was a little bit over, over dramatic on that. Not over dramatic. Over, they they just threw the safety car, and it didn't really needed to have one. So basically, on that, we get the the whole field bunches up, and they go into the pit. Alonzo serves his penalty, and they he serves his penalty incorrectly. I say that in quotation marks uh, because the rear jack has touched the back of the car when it wasn't supposed to, and they consider that working on the car. It was kind of a disaster. So 
by the end of the race, we'll get to that part, but he ended up having a 10-second penalty, a 5-second penalty, who knows, not even the FIA. So anyway, during this whole safety car, uh, we have another Ferrari incident. I'm not sure exactly what was going on. I think Hamilton was in the pits, and Charles Leclerc had a chance to overtake him uh, by going a little bit faster in between the safety car lines because that's not part of the safety car uh area where you have to be within a delta and they told him after he already passed it so he was already he was a little bit upset about that uh then we had albon with his brake failure which was kind of interesting because he said he has brake failure and then he went for two more laps at racing speed or roundabout racing speed um, so when he comes in, you can see that the crew was kind of just like stepping back a little bit, making sure that they don't get run over. Uh, but he was able to pull it into the pit and, uh, there wasn't another safety car or anything. Then by the end of the race, Max is saying how he's got a drive shaft vibration and we're like, okay, another drive shaft problem for Max. Is he going to retire? Is he not? Uh, they get a little bit of banter back and forth from his engineer and him. Uh, and then Perez is complaining about a long brake pedal. And it's like, all right, cool. You know, we're going to have a new winner, another winner. Red Bulls are going to retire. Uh, but it didn't happen. Um, Perez f- uh, held off Max. And since Max won the first round and Perez got the s- uh, second in the first round, and it was vice versa in the second round. Nobody got the fastest lap in the first round between the Red Bull drivers. So now it was who's going to get the fastest lap to be leading the championship between Max and Perez. And there was a little bit of uh, drama between them. Max ultimately got it. But uh, Checo is only one point behind Max at this point. Uh, Then at the end of the race... You know, uh, Alonzo gets another five-second penalty for not serving his pit stop correctly or his penalty correctly in his pit stop. So now you can tell Mercedes is kind of grasping at straws here because they're telling Russell to push to catch up to Fernando so that they're going to push for a penalty so that he can take the position, uh, which is third. And... Uh, Fernando finishes third and he's on the podium he gets the trophy then as soon as he gets off of the podium they take the trophy from him and give it to Russell and say you had a 10 second penalty you didn't get third and then later on we found out that uh, Aston Martin appealed there was a whole thing where they showed the FIA that a lot of people did the exact same thing that they did, and they didn't get penalized for it. Um, So classic FIA doing stuff without even knowing their own rules. And then I believe Russell actually sent the trophy back to Alonzo in the mail, which is kind of funny. So by the end of this race, we kind of see how the pecking order is going. We had Red Bull. We had uh, Aston Martin, uh, one of their cars in third. Fourth and fifth was Mercedes. 
Sixth and seventh were Ferrari. Uh, the Alpines were eighth and ninth. And then we had kind of the rest of the midfield kind of bunched up in the back. I believe kind of the only one out of order was the McLarens. Uh, we still didn't even see where the McLarens were at for the season yet. Um, and then that's kind of where we are after round two. All right, then we get to round three, Melbourne, and it's another street track, kind of. They consider it a street track. I don't think it's really a street track, but, you know, either way, uh, the good news for that is that Perez is a street track, street track champion, and he started from the pit lane uh, along with Botas, but we're like, all right, cool. This is your territory, Perez. You're going to go through all of the field and catch back up, and it's going to be heroic. And what was less heroic was the cleric getting stuck in the sand trap after turn one or two. Uh, he decided to try and go around the outside and just turned into Lance Stroll and kind of took himself out. Uh, it was kind of a sad time because... Uh, we were all really hoping that Charles was going to do okay in this race. Uh, we wanted Ferrari to be in the fight, and they just haven't been there for this whole season. Uh, and then we get Russell and Hamilton. They are in, actually, first and second, which is pretty incredible to see the Mercedes in that position. But we've got Russell in first, Hamilton in second, and we've got Hamilton pushing Russell, but they're telling Russell to conserve his tires. So he comes on the radio and is asking, what do they want him to do? Because he's being pushed by his teammate, but the team is telling him to slow down. It was kind of a nice tension to see in Mercedes. Um, it brings back to like the... Uh, Rosberg and Hamilton days of 2016 where it's like all right cool we're gonna have some inner team battles and then uh, later on in that race we have Albon he ends up tapping the inside of a wall and just going off into a sand trap and then uh, just hitting the wall and rocks fly everywhere. Uh, it was a huge incident. Um, and this is right after they tell Russell to pit. So Albon goes into the wall and then they throw a red flag. Uh, so now Russell is in sixth or seventh and he was fighting for first. And now you've got Hamilton and Max in the front. Uh, so 2021 vibes. And we kind of, we feel bad for Russell because he was leading the race. And then uh, he kind of gets a little bit screwed with the whole red flag thing. Um, you know, everybody was kind of saying how they couldn't see that being a red flag. I think it was 100% a red flag at that Point because there was so much gravel on the racetrack, there was no way they were going to end up clearing that off. Uh, so I almost wonder if they, if Mercedes actually just saw that and was like, okay, cool, let's pit Russell, let's not have any drama in our team this early in the season. 
Um, so I almost wonder if the back of their head, they kind of knew what was going on. But either way, uh, you know, we get past the red flag. Then we do our little parade lap. And then Hamilton is in first. And he decides to back the pack up so far that in the same corner where Albon went off, it was just a parking lot back there. And you see cars going through the gravel to avoid people. And it was almost a disaster. Um, I think that the Red Bull was trying to fight for Hamilton to get a penalty at that point because... Uh, safety car rules and following them. Uh, he had to be within 10 car lengths, and he definitely was not. Uh, but he ended up not getting a penalty. I think what was going on was Hamilton was specifically just taking that lap really slow because the way that the car, uh, the Red Bull, is set up at the moment, they have a lot of anti-dive in the front, and when you get anti-dive dialed into your car, you can't fire up the front tires as fast. That's why the Red Bull has not been as dominant in qualifying as they have in race pace this year. Uh, so I'm thinking that that was just tactics from Hamilton to try and make a very slow outlap so that Max couldn't warm up his front tires very fast or very well so that he couldn't get the jump on him in the start. But either way, we get everything started back up. Uh, we feel bad for Russell because he went into the back, or not into the back, but into the midfield uh, after a pit stop. But... It doesn't really matter. He does his best impersonation of a blowtorch, and the whole car lights on fire spectacularly. He gets out okay, but it was a very bizarre thing to see a Mercedes do. Uh, you know, especially a fire incident like that. Besides Sainz uh, in 2022 in Austria. We haven't really seen a car catch fire like that in a very long time. So, anyway, we get more into the race, and then uh, it kind of gets into a little lull. And you can see even Max fell asleep because in the second-to-last corner, he just randomly goes off. He misses the corner and goes into the grass, and uh, we're all thinking that he fell asleep because he's so far into the front of the race. But he gets everything back on, and then uh, Magnuson, on lap 54 out of 58, he hits the wall and takes off his passenger side rear tire, uh, right side rear, and uh, causes another red flag, and we're like, okay, cool. Uh, us and Netflix are rubbing our hands together for a very great few last laps so we get all that cleared up then we get our first restart and science plows into alonzo and then sergeant just doesn't even look like he hits the brakes he just takes out to freeze um the alpines take each other out and it's just carnage at the beginning but they'd never pass the first sector line so what they did was they just restarted the same order, 
uh, again, which was, you know, uh, not a great idea in the first place, uh, just because of all the carnage. Uh, they should have probably, in my mind, had a rolling restart uh, instead of a standing start. But either way, we get to the second restart, and we're at the point where they just complete one lap behind the safety car, and then uh, that's it. But in this whole red flag scenario, we hear that Carlos Sainz gets a five-second penalty for hitting Alonso, and he's the only one that gets a penalty in that whole thing. Uh, neither of the Alpine drivers, uh, Sergeant doesn't, and nobody gets anything out of it except for Sainz. And he's running in third, I believe, at this point, and they just slap a five-second penalty on him, which I... That's a really hard pill to swallow. I get what they're doing, but that's just... That's kind of rough, especially first lap incidents... It was just a very harsh penalty to give science. I don't think he should have gotten it, especially with the restart. It just it was kind of a, kind of a terrible day for science and Ferrari in general. Um, also in this race, we hear news that uh, the Teams can't climb the fence anymore after the race to celebrate, which I get the whole safety aspect of it, but I did not realize that this was a problem in Formula One where the teams climbed up onto the fence and they cheered their driver as they go past the finishing line. That, you know, it was Melbourne was just a classic case of the FI saying, hold my beer, we're going to make more drama, and we're going to try and make drivers survive even better and do everything we can to, to try and add some more drama into this Red Bull domination era. So that's just a quick little highlight on what happened in the first three races, uh, and then now we've got a new sprint qualifying format for this weekend coming up at Baku. Uh, the FIA trying to shake things up and trying to make it less boring. Uh, so we're just going to have one free practice session on Friday. Then after the free practice session, we're going to have race qualifying. And then Saturday, we're going to do a sprint shootout and then the sprint race, and then Sunday is still going to be the race. So a sprint shootout is going to be basically the same style of qualifying that we have now for the race, but we're going to have Q1, Q2, Q3, and we're going to have 12-minute, 10-minute, and an 8-minute session, and five cars are eliminated in Q1, five cars are eliminated in Q2, and then in Q3 is going to be the top 10 for the sprint race. But the kicker is, is Q1 and Q2, you have to run the yellow compound medium tire. And in Q3, you have to run the red soft compound tire for that session. So they are kind of I see where they're going with this. They're trying to switch it up and kind of make it a little bit more interesting. 
But they're also just taking one event and making two events out of it for the weekend. And I, as much as I like this setup, it is pretty cool to have something new. The whole point of the race weekend is to have different aspects of the weekend that people can watch. And I just, I really worry about if this really takes off, how much are ticket prices going to be to go to the race weekends now? You know, you got a major event happening in each race or in each day and ticket prices are already through the roof. Now they're going to be even worse. So we'll see. I think it's kind of a cool idea um, for the fans. I think it is. I think the teams are probably pretty upset about it because they're adding in these high-risk events. So we had two high-risk events originally. So we had qualifying and the race. Now we have qualifying, another qualifying, and then two races, all in the same budget cap. So, yeah, I don't know. This is very, it's going to be a very interesting format. We'll see how it goes. The sprint race is still going to have the same point system as it did last year. Uh, points for the first eight finishers. So first has eight points. Eighth has one point. We'll see how it goes. Uh, especially in a track like Baku, which is a very high-risk track. Um, there's always a lot of action that happens at that track. So we'll see how many people take themselves out or have incidents in this little, little experimental weekend we have. Now, the last thing that I really wanted to touch on for this is, uh, Baku is the first race where some teams are bringing some upgrades. So we're finally going to see... A few things happen in a couple teams. Um, the big highlighted one is McLaren. After they realize that they are going down the wrong road for development, they are now bringing upgrades, which are supposed to make the car better. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, the other thing that's going to be very different on this track is this is a very tight uh, track, especially in the castle section, but it is also a very bumpy track and a very high speed track. It's got, I believe, the longest straightaway of all of the tracks. Uh, so this has a mix of everything, and it's a lot different from what we saw in the first races. So, for example, in the last race in Melbourne, we saw Mercedes do very, very well. And Melbourne is a very smooth, flowing track. And that's why they were doing so well on there. Now, this track is going to be a completely opposite track for Melbourne. So we're finally going to see what's going on and how versatile these cars are. Uh, because all three tracks have been pretty smooth for the most part. And this is going to be the very... The very first real street track in my mind. And it's just going to be interesting to see how the pack shuffles up from here and where the pecking order is with a completely different track and people already getting some upgrades going. Um, I'm still expecting Red Bull to be on the front. 
I don't know if they're going to be as dominant as they have been because the whole thing with the Red Bull car this year is they've got a lot of anti-dive in the front and a lot of anti-squat in the front. So the car doesn't pitch as much. Therefore, they can run the car a lot lower. So if you notice, the Red Bull sparks a lot more than the other cars. Well, running a car that low on a track like Baku is not going to be a great idea. Uh, It's going to bottom out a lot and bounce everywhere. So now they're going to have to take their car and raise it, and we're going to see how that's going to work on... Uh, on a different level. So now they've got to adjust their car and we'll see how versatile that system is. Other than that, we're going to see Aston Martin, are they still going to be as as strong as they've been before? Uh, will McLaren be back to where they need to be, kind of on the rise? Uh, because they're at the they're still in the race for fourth or fifth, I believe, with Alpine. Um, especially since the Alpines took each other out in Melbourne. So we'll see how the midfield battles out. Uh, I, I'm really hoping that Ferrari is going to be okay and do something well. Um, you know, Charles hasn't had a good record at this track, but fingers crossed all of his bad luck and Ferrari's bad luck are out this season. Uh, and, you know, hopefully science as well, man, like, That guy can't catch a break this season. He's doing pretty decent. So we'll see how everything goes. I'm I'm expecting Red Bull to be on top with still Aston Martin in third or fourth. And then I think Ferrari and Aston Martin are going to be battling. I don't know if Merck is going to be up there with the top dogs this weekend on this track. But we'll see. Uh, That's what makes Formula One so exciting is we can do any prediction we want, but uh, we never know. We never know. So either way, thank you very much for uh, listening in on this podcast. I do have to apologize. I have been sick for the past week, and if I sound terrible and you've made it this far, I just want to say thank you, and I apologize for my my voice sounding so terrible. But thank you again for tuning in, and we will see you at the next Apex. Thank you.